last week, beloved, we spoke about how God is mighty in our midst through the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you have an indwelling Holy Spirit that is a witness of Jesus. And as we yield to and as we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, remember we learned about that we're sealed in him, the Holy Spirit in whom we're sealed, that we then get to take full possession of everything that Christ died to give us, our whole new person identity, and all the promises of God to which we are heirs because of what Christ did. And we have this as a guarantee. So that's kind of what we studied last week. And this week we're going to be moving along a similar line. We're going to be discussing what it takes to allow Holy Spirit to shine through in our lives. Because Galatians 5.25 says that we live in the Spirit, so we're to walk in the spirit. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. How to become more sensitive to his voice. How to become more sensitive to his call and to the heart of God. So nothing today is a matter of you're not doing it right. No sort or form of condemnation of any kind. This is learning. This is all about learning. Song of Solomon in 2.15 in the King James says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Okay, we're going to start with that today because we're all learning and we all have places in our lives where we need to improve, where we want to improve, where we want to, you know, learn learn how to change. I want to I learn how to change in something every single day. I ask the Lord to show me something new every single day. And we all have areas where we're doing really, really well, right? You all have areas where you're doing really, really well and other areas where we need to learn and we need to grow. And so as we walk in our new creation identity, the new man, the new woman, right? Because when you're saved, when you're born again, you are a new creation. As we walk in that, these young grapes are very tender, the scripture says, okay? These are the, uh, the new ways of doing things, the new ways that we need to learn, the ways of the kingdom of God, the new revelations that Holy Spirit is going to give us. And we need to implement those or in order to walk in victory, Holy Spirit speaks to us so we can walk in victory because he knows the mind of Christ, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's always telling us the mind of Christ. He's always giving us the mind of Christ. And so the fruits of the new kingdom are blossoming. They're, and they're, they're, um, they're blossoming up, and we need to implement them in our walk. They're springing up, these new fruits. And eventually, these new blossoms, right, this new revelation that we're going to receive, these new blossoms are going to spring up into fruit, into good fruit for the kingdom, for you, into the fullness of Jesus in our lives. And sometimes we need to be a little patient with ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we need to be patient with other people, don't we? So anyway, as this transformation takes place, 
there are seedlings of new thoughts, new revelations, and new light that are going to give way to the new blossoms on the vine. Who's our vine? Jesus. So this tender fruit comes forth on the vine. And at this stage, we need to be aware. We need to pay attention so that the foxes do not get in and devour the fruit, right? So we need to pay attention. Any area of our lives where we're submitting it to God, any area is going to be vulnerable to attack. Because the devil hates it, right? The devil hates it. He doesn't want you to submit to God. He doesn't want you to yield to Holy Spirit. He knows that when that happens, he's defeated. As you yield, he's defeated, correct? Right. And it means that you are the conqueror in Christ. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus. So he hates that because your victory is his demise. Right? So, and we know we have victory in Jesus. We know that. Okay, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 5. 6 through 8 in the 1984 NIV. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast. Okay, we need to get rid of the old yeast. So that you may be a new unleavened batch. Listen, listen to these words. As you really are. All right? as you really are. In other words, as God sees you, as God sees you, and as God has made you new. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay? So we need to get rid of the old yeast. That's the walking out part, right? Your position is a new creation. But we have this walking out of getting rid of the old yeast, the, the transformation, the, the, the old mindsets, the old traditions of men that make the power of God, the word of God, of no effect. We don't want to be there, do we? We don't want to continue with the old yeast making the word of God, the power of God of no effect. His word is alive, and it comes alive in us as we yield. So we are the new creation when we've become saved. The Passover lamb has been sacrificed, and we enter in behind the veil with Jesus, and we have become his co-heirs, we have become heirs of the Father. That's a position, that's a done deal, but we need to take possession of what he has given us. We have to trod the land, right? We have to trod the land. It says where we trod our feet, take that land, correct? In the scripture. So everywhere we Everywhere we walk belongs to us, but we must place our feet 
We have to place our feet and we have to stand firm in Jesus. So we throw out the old yeast and we appropriate the new. And we use the new to leaven as leaven in our new lives in Christ. The, rev- the new revelation of the word that, he, that the Holy Spirit is faithful to give us. The old ways of the world, okay, some examples. You know, because before we were saved, we're all living in the world, right? We're all living with unrenewed minds. We're all living in this soulish realm, correct? Okay, so there were probably a lot of us in here who maybe didn't get saved until they were much older in life. And so you've, those people have learned the ways of the world with all of its you know, backbiting and boasting and malice and wickedness and religious processes and religious ways of thinking, the, um, you know, constant one-upmanship, idolatry, competing with your neighbor, right? So we've learned those things and they no longer apply in the kingdom of God. They're no longer appropriate. And so we need to relearn because we learned the ways of the world and we walked in those ways before our salvation. And before we even, maybe we were saved, but we hadn't come into full revelation of the word, right? So we have to get rid of every single bit of the old yeast so that we can be who we truly are the way that God sees us. And he sees us as the spotless bride of Christ because of the blood. He sees you as the spotless bride of Christ because of the blood. So, we get to truly enter in purifying our lives. What a joy. What a joy that we have a God who's so patient and so kind and so loving and so merciful. And every time we make a mistake, it's not our hammer of condemnation, but a lifting hand, a heart that lifts us, okay? A heart that lifts us so that we get to purify our lives. You know, it's for our own good when, when our lives become more and more, you know, in the walk part, the walk part, you know your position. We're talking about the walk today. And when our lives are purified, we get to walk in the true glory and the true holiness of the Father. What, what better place to be in this very dysfunctional world, right? Hallelujah. So we allow the new yeast of the kingdom of God to leaven our lives and to infiltrate our souls. I want the leaven of the kingdom of God to infiltrate my soul. I want all that (coughs) worldly, soulish, I want it totally transformed by the kingdom. Do you know you actually have a miracle living in you? Do you know that? If you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a, a living miracle on the inside of you. There's nothing that we can't accomplish with the Lord that he wants us to accomplish because he's living in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So when we go through this process, the chaff, the dross, 
gets removed, and, and it allows the Holy Spirit to enter into those areas of our lives that maybe we've held back. You know, maybe they're a little too painful sometimes, or maybe we feel, you know, we've condemned ourselves way too much, and we think that we don't serve a merciful God. You do serve a merciful God. He just wants you to lay it before him. You know, he's a fixer. <laughs> that reminds me of something my dad always told me, because I never would have wanted ever to be a contractor, you know, like a home builder. And um, <laughs> bless his heart, he would always say to me, Lisa Marie, there's nothing that cannot be fixed. Nothing. There's nothing. Whatever problem, he would go to a job, and there'd be some big mess. And he's like, I said, Dad, don't you ever just get a little nervous? Like, I, I, I couldn't take that job. I'd go, and I'd see that big mess over there, and I'd be like, how can I fix it? How can I fix it? How can I fix it? And he goes, no, there's nothing that's not fixable. You know, you just, that's our Jesus. You know, that's the heart he has for us. There's nothing in your life that he doesn't love you so much that he'll just reach right in there and give you the roadmap and say, well, this is how we're going to do it. Oh, hallelujah. What a good God. Yeah. yeah, what a good God. So we just have to open up to him. We just have to be available to him. That's all he's requiring of you is to be available to him. Because when we do that, he comes in with his anointing, not how can I do this. <laughs> he comes in with his anointing, and he works through you, and he comes in with his gifts, and he displays them through you, and he develops his fruit in you. Right? He's a, he's a wonderful fruit developer. <laughs> so our submission to him brings cleansing. Um, it opens the door for him to do mighty work in our lives. It opens the door for his power in our lives. And as we allow our, con a lot of this is allowing our consciences to be, to be cleansed, right? So as we allow that, it it, the word washes us. The word washes us. We allow ourselves to be washed by the word. And it clears the path for the Holy Spirit to come in and commune with us. It, it tears down the walls. It opens the doors. It, it opens the windows and lets the fresh air come in. What's that song? Let the sunshine come in? Did you ever, do you all ever know that from, okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> let the sun shine in y'all know okay never mind there you go thank you see thank you brother so it allows in other words the tender fruit that's budded the tender fruit that's budded on the vine of Christ in our lives it allows that fruit to be protected rather than devoured by the devil, devoured by the little foxes. And it allows that fruit to develop into its ripeness. The ripeness that God already sees in your life. 
you may not see it, but he sees you full of ripe fruit, okay? So then the fruit is good, the fruit is tasty, the fruit is useful to bring about edification, to bring about strength in our lives and the lives of others. It becomes nourishment for our lives. Okay, let's go to Luke 13, 20 through 21. And this is Jesus speaking. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. So Jesus wants the kingdom of God to work through our whole dough, our entire dough, our spirit, our minds, and our bodies. Healing belongs to you, beloved. Healing in every area of your life. It belongs to you in Jesus. Every nook and cranny of our lives infused by his life, infused by him, and not by the ways of the world. Out. Have you ever heard that saying, out with the old, in with the new? Okay. It's out with the old, in with the new. So then we are pure and holy and perfected in our walk. Right? And it matches the way that he sees us. So you see, we're given this, this whole new per- position in God's kingdom when we made Jesus the Lord of our lives. Immediately. Pronto. Split second, in the twinkling of an eye. We became perfected in Christ, but now we walk it out. Now we're walking it out in accordance with our new position, and we get rid of the old yeast. No matter what things look like, no matter what things feel like, we're a new batch. You're a new batch. Say, I'm a new batch today. (laughs) Without the yeast of corruption. So we become, as we really are, as he sees us, as we really are. And we're the new batch because of Christ's sacrifice, not because of your works. Not because of what you've done right or wrong. Because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. Hallelujah. So, now we let our our new yeast be the yeast of the revealed kingdom, okay? The revealed kingdom in our lives. The revealed kingdom of, the, of God. The true gospel of the good news of God. Totally transforming us into the new bread. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you know that's what's dwelling in you? The spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Can't get any more powerful than that. Matthew 16, 5 through 12. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? 
Don't you remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Beloved, the old yeast is poison. You must check every thought with a word. You can't sit there and just believe everything your pastor says. You know, your pastor tries really, really hard to bring the pure milk of the word. But ultimately, it is each of our own responsibility to see truth in our lives according to the word. Ultimately. Now, there are traditions that are just, you just got to get rid of. <laughs> I mean, you know, but even, even a, a pastor or a teacher who's trying to teach the word accurately, we all still have the responsibility of truth in our own lives. Okay? Because we all, if you're a born-again believer, you get to hear from the Holy Spirit. You know, your pastor doesn't have a, a corner on that. Okay? So, the, the old yeast is poison, the new yeast is life. So we must discontinue thinking in the natural, okay? That's part of the old yeast, is natural thinking. We have to think in the supernatural. We have, thank you. That's the Lord, right? We have, we, we, we must decry the limits of natural logic. It's good that we have logic. But there are moments in your life when natural logic goes against faith. And we must take the road of faith living in the word of God. It's a must. And we have to decry natural logic when the two conflict. Okay? And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit to hear that distinction. Because our walk is a walk of faith. It's not always a walk of logic. Thank you, Lord. Because if logic always won, I think we would all be in a big mess. His ways, his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. And no matter what it looks like, no matter how it feels, we must at times embrace the seemingly illogical position of supernatural life in Christ. Do you want me to give you a real life example? Yeah, I'm not very good at, the, at that part. I'm, I'm good at the, the theory, right? But, you know, we do practice it in our real lives, okay? I'm trying to find a really short version because I, I don't want to keep you too long. But, for instance, 
and you may have heard this before, but like when Ken and I were very first married, within three months, we were pregnant with our firstborn, Audrey, okay? I had a very lucrative job. I didn't really want kids at the time. I didn't want to stay home with kids. I had no desire for any of that. You know, I'd, I'd educated myself, you know, umpteen years of college and post-college. And the Lord, and plus we had just gotten married. That's not a really very good time to change plans in your life. You want things to kind of smooth out a little bit, don't you? The first, when you're married, right? You have this plan. You know, I'm making, I'm going to make 60000 right now a year, and you're making so much a year, and we're going to put together this little nest egg, and it's all just going to be beautiful and lovely, and in three years, we're going to buy a house, and blah, blah, then we're going to have kids, and, right? So within three months, we were pregnant with Audrey, and the Lord said to me, you need to stay home. I'm like, hold on, excuse me, I don't think I heard you right. Because I don't think you're, I mean, like, that's not the plan. Just in case you were wondering what I was thinking or what we were thinking, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, not going to happen. And not only that, we, only, we had only dated for seven months, so I'm sitting here thinking, well, this, this guy's just going to think I'm a gold digger, Right? that I really never planned, it, planned on working, which he, he probably knew me better than that. I was probably just getting a little worried because I was your triple type A person, right? <laughs> you know, set your mind to something, nothing's going to stop you. You know, <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm concerned about all that and I'm, so, I'm like, Lord, you know, I am not going to tell him this. You are going to have to tell him this. Not me. If, if you want this done, you are going to have to tell him this. So I sit around and I just like sit there and I wait and I wait and I wait. And I keep hearing, Lisa Marie, I told you something. So finally one day I said, Ken, I think we have to talk. You know, the Lord told me to stay home. Well, that was a really sad position financially at the time because truthfully, he was only making a very small pittance. <laughs> like, you know, major breadwinner right here. And I'm not even saying that arrogantly. That's like just how it was. So there's no way we could even survive on his pittance. We couldn't even, we couldn't meet, meet our our mortgage, or, or rent, I mean, we, we couldn't need food bills, we wouldn't have gas, we wouldn't have, we just wouldn't have it. And we had all of our school loans. So anyway, I said, you know, that's what the Lord told me, can you please figure it out? You know, like, <laughs> you know, okay, I did my part. I told you what the Lord told me. So now, now you, you take, take the ball and run with it. So like three days later, he comes up and he goes, hmm. 
I think you heard right. See, the Lord gave the kids to us. The Lord didn't give the kids to someone else. And he actually had said that to me. He said, Lisa Marie, I gave her to you and Ken. I didn't give her to somebody else. And I'm like, yeah, but. (sighs) Well, I'm going to just tell you something. We never wanted for a penny. Were we diligent and were we good stewards of our money? Yes. Yes, it took a lot. We never wanted for anything. We've never wanted for anything. You have to decide what your wants are. You have to decide if your wants are from the Lord. Okay? But I'm going to tell you something. In that whole time, I had three hand surgeries, $120,000 in debt, just, just me. And God worked miracle after miracle. There were days when we were tithers, by the way. Okay, I forgot to tell you that part because the Lord told me the day I graduated law school to be a tither. I didn't even know what that was because I hadn't been raised that way. To be a tither. And if I was a tither, he would pay all debt, all my debt, within five years. Well, then I had the three hand surgeries, then we got married, you know, his debt, we were married first, then the three hand surgeries, $120,000 in debt on $30,000 salary a year. Well, you go figure that out, because there's no way logic can figure that out. We have a supernatural God who is supernatural in every area of our lives. And do you know within five, within to the day, five years, Every bit of $120,000 in debt was gone on a $30,000 salary. And we got to build a new home. And we had no money for the down payment. And within three months, we had $50,000 for a down payment. Don't even ask me where, how all that happened, because I wasn't working. So see, logic just doesn't, it, it just doesn't add up. We got to live in the supernatural. We got to believe the supernatural. We got to believe that God's word is true. But we got to also do it his way. We were tithers. And I'm not talking about net tithing. That's the most ridiculous lie that, okay, there's a really good, I'm sorry, I'm really off on, like, I wasn't going to tell you any of this today. So I apologize. But that is the biggest lie that has come out of the pulpit. That is not what the scripture says. It says bring in the whole. And if we bring in the whole, not a tithe on the net, if we bring in the whole, he is going to open the windows of heaven so much that we cannot contain the blessing. And I'm sorry that the pulpit has lied to you. Because it keeps people in poverty because it keeps people from believing. Because what it does in your faith walk is it's, oh, it's really okay to change this gap. You know, it's really okay. It says whole, but all my pastors tell me net. So it's really okay because I'm tithing on the net. Well, you know what that does? That leaks over into other areas of your life. That's a little fox. That's a little fox that got in. And then you start doing it in other areas of your life, and then you turn around and wonder, nobody in this room, of course, 
And then you wonder, why didn't God's work, word work? Well, it's because you, you weren't doing God's word. You were justifying God's word. So anyway, I'm sorry I went off on all that. Ooh. Anyway, we have to stop being dulled in our senses. We have to stop letting the, the world compromise the word. The word is true, and it will never return void. And as long as we adhere to the word, God keeps his pr- He's faithful. He's faithful. You stand on his word, and you are going to be blessed in every area. So anyway, we need to pay attention. We have to get rid of these little foxes because they are stumbling blocks, and they create walls that where we don't hear from the Holy Spirit as well, okay? And, and it, it stymies our growth. It stymies our growth. So, we're studying all this because I believe in a few weeks the Lord is going to be teaching us about walking in the fullness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, this might seem a little tedious for y'all to be sitting through, but it's not. And this is all basically a a precursor to walking in all the gifts, all the gifts, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, Now, Smith Wigglesworth, and I I don't normally bring up other people. I normally pretty much stick with the Bible, but but this is something that he said that I appreciated. Um, He was talking about to fully walk in the fullness of Christ, in the spirit, in the fullness of Christ. And he gave like three points, and I thought they were phenomenal. He said, we must be grounded and settled in love. Number one, we must be grounded and settled in love. Okay, y'all hear a lot about that in this church. Having a real knowledge of what love is. First understanding, you know, God's love, and then loving God and loving other people having a real knowledge of God's love. Number two, we must have a clear understanding of the word, not an altered word like we were just talking about. A clear understanding of the word because love, the number one, love must manifest the word. Your love, the love of God in you, will always manifest the word. Number three, and this is kind of what we're talking about today, we must clearly understand our own ground. We must clearly understand our own ground because it is our ground that needs to be looked after the most. You don't need to look after other people's ground. We look after our ground the most. So God will take our ground, the ground that we offer him, the ground that we allow him to till up. He will take our ground and make it perfect for his harvest. He will make it perfect if we put it into his hands. But we got to put the ground into his hands. we got to submit it we got to say, you get to come in here 
and decide what gets, you know, how it gets tilled up and all that stuff. I'm your ground. So today, we're going to look at our ground, all right? Hopefully, this won't be too painful. It'll all have a good result. We're going to look at our ground by briefly looking at some of the little foxes that get in the way. Because humans tend to think that there are like these big sins and then there are these little sins, and I'm okay if I don't do these big sins, right? But sin is sin, and the scripture tells us that if we've broken one of the commands, we've broken all of them, right? So we don't want to be like the Pharisee who said, I'm really, really glad I'm not like that person, right? We don't want to be that person. We want to be looking here. All right, Luke 18, verses 10 through 12. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus talking, by the way, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Okay, we're humbling ourselves to whom? To the Lord. Okay? So we tend to say, well, I don't steal. I don't murder. I don't commit adultery. So I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just coasting along here, and I'm just doing fine. Everything's all right. Yes, everything's fine. Jesus Christ superstar, right? But it's not. Do you know that song? Oh, that was from Jesus Christ Superstar. Everything's all right. Everything's fine. Okay? And that's a very haughty, it's a very boastful, it's a very pharisaical attitude because we want to learn something new every day. We want to submit our hearts to the Lord. We don't want to say, I'm okay, I can just coast. We don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. We want to learn something every day. Just like Song of Solomon tells us to pay attention to the little foxes. And many of these little foxes are just heart issues. Now, we don't do this to condemn ourselves, right? We do this to learn and grow. If a spirit comes to you that condemns you, that condemns your faults, that condemns your mistakes, it's of the devil. You will never hear the Holy Spirit talking to you in a condemning tone or voice or with condemning words. The words of the Holy Spirit are always unto building up, 
unto edification. All right? So when a condemning word comes, you say, no, I will not listen. I will not question my integrity. I will not question my righteousness. You say that to that spirit. And you move on in the love of the Lord. All right? I just wanted to set that. Because when we go through these things, I don't want you to condemn yourself. The Lord doesn't want you to condemn yourself. Ecclesiastes 10, 1 through 2. This is the ESV. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment. So we're going to look at some of the little foxes, okay? Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, all right? So when we're not open to the Holy Spirit, when we allow a certain deadness to remain, okay, it becomes a stench. Even though you're this beautiful aroma to the Lord, there can be areas, okay? So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor, A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. So what is folly? Folly would be knowing the word and not following it. That's what folly would be. It would be errant ways or errant thoughts that are contrary to the word. So folly, the scripture tells us right here, errant thoughts, folly, things disagreeing with the word. Folly pushes out wisdom and honor in our lives. Well, we don't want that to happen. It says a wise person sets his or her heart on the word and is saved from folly. So if this can save me from folly, I want to I pay attention. I want to read it. I want to devour it. I want it to just be who I am. Right? Proverbs 4, 1 through 13. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. We have a good father. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son of my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and it will protect you. I want to be protected. You know, so much of our protection in life is is just doing the word. Well, we got to know it first. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. (laughs) Don't you think that's funny? Talk about stating the obvious. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. You don't have to exalt yourself. The word will exalt you when we're doers of the word. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace, a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Wow, do you see the, the, the beauty, the vision, the provision that God has for you in your life? He sees you crowned. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. 
I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. What are those straight paths? Those are paths straight like the arrow flies into your divine destiny. That's what they are. Your greatest good. That's what the straight paths are. Your greatest good. The way God sees it. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. The word is our life. It keeps us out of folly. Okay, number two, another little fox. Having a non-repentant will or making light of sin. Now I'm going to go through several. You guys just go through Proverbs and you'll just find billions. Go through the Beatitudes. That's, that'd be an awesome project for everybody. Having a non-repentant heart, or a non-repentant will, or making light of sin. Proverbs 14, 8 and 9. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. We were just talking about that, weren't we? Fools mock at making amends for sin. That, I would call that an unrepentant heart. They mock at making amends. The easiest thing in your life that you could ever do is make amends. But goodwill is found among the upright. Number three, hypocrisy or unwillingness to inspect our own motives. What are my motives, Lord? I want my motives. You know, God looks on the heart, right? That's why you don't have to condemn yourself. Because you just say, what are my motives, Lord? You know that pleases him? That, that is such a pleasing aroma to the Lord. What are my motives, Lord? Because he takes your heart at that point. He looks on your heart. He's like, okay, you don't have it all right. You made a mistake, but you know what? Your heart's for me. Your heart's for me. Hallelujah. Man, if, I had, if, I, if God did not have a heart to love our hearts, where would we all be? And sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself is have a heart to love your own heart. You get that? So hypocrisy or, or unwillingness to inspect your own motives, uh, uh, self-righteousness. We would call this hypocritical living, okay? Luke eleven thirty nine and 40 through 41. Then the Lord said to him, this is Jesus talking, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. So you would call that false living, living in appearances. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. So we might appear, people might appear, and you know what? That's a discerning spirit. You don't need to go around and be a foolish Christian because it, it is also discerning when you're interacting with people to understand their motives in their heart. Not in a judgmental way, but in a wise way. Because God, the Holy Spirit, that's one of the gifts, is discerning. And he tells us to test the Spirit. So don't allow yourself to be fooled by wrong spirits. That's not loving. That's not kind. That's called enabling. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Okay. Um, but anyway, sometimes people appear one way on the outside, sweet and wonderful and blah, 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 but the inside is different. So we don't want to be wa- whitewashed fences, and we don't want to be duped by whitewashed fences. Right? We, un- we want to understand the attitudes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay. That goes both ways. Number four, despising correction or receiving godly guidance and then not heeding it. Someone will be pouring the word into your life, into your life, into your life. And, you know, you let them do all the work and then you go off. You, you get their advice in the word and you go off and you're like in one ear out the other. So despising correction or receiving godly guidance and not heeding it, Proverbs 15, 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Okay, reproof is, again, not condemnation. It is speaking the truth in love. The word in love, the word in love, the word in love. Five, causing strife or quarrelsomeness, Proverbs 18, 6. The lips of fools brings them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. Strife and quarreling will always invite a beating. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is to one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Sometimes the best way that we can avoid strife, because sometimes if someone has done a thing that's wrong, or maybe their personality just grates on your nerves, and inside you start harboring well, I did this, they didn't do that. I'm always the one working, they're never working. I don't like the way they chew their food. I don't like this. I don't like, you know, I don't like the way they're loud. I want someone to be more quiet and calm, whatever it is. But sometimes we just harbor these things. It's, it may not even be that the person did anything wrong. That'll lead to a root of bitterness. It'll contaminate the relationship, and not only will it contaminate that relationship, it will contaminate every other relationship in your life. You might think it's that one person that's grating on your nerves, but allowing that to fester and to be there, instead of just saying, you know what, God, you created that person too, and they're not like me, but I'm so glad because I've got these mistakes and they don't. You know, so we... In that sense, when it's not sin, we live and let live. And we've got to get that attitude, you know? And um, because if we allow that, that grating to just keep going on, we become bitter. And then whether you realize it or not, you do that to other people. That's still quarrelsomeness. It's an honor to avoid strife but every fool is quick to quarrel. Number six, boastfulness, pridefulness, self-aggrandizement. This goes along with trusting in ourselves rather than the Lord. Proverbs 28, 6. Those who trust in themselves are fools. I'm not saying that. That's the Lord saying that. Trusting in yourself makes a person a fool. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Our way is not always the right way. The word is the right way. So if you're standing on the word, if you're standing against sin, that's another issue. 
Luke eleven forty three, Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. That's haughtiness. That's pride. That, that's not trusting in the Lord. That's trusting in ourselves. Number seven, greed for the things of the world. This can also come from self-dependence, not trusting. We, we become greedy. We become, we, we gotta have, we gotta have. Nothing ever satisfies. A lot of times that's because we're trusting in ourselves because I'll be honest with you, if we're trusting in the Lord, the blessing is there. So if, if that's a, a, an emotion that you might tend to struggle with, you need to look at whether you're really trusting God. Okay? So greed for the things of the world, Proverbs 28, 25. The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. So see, we can rest. We don't have to have those emotions of greed or, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Look, I do all this good stuff and that person is growing wealthy and I'm not. You know, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. Number eight. You know, we just need to rest in the fact that the Lord knows how to bless us the best. The Lord is going to bless you a lot better than you're going to bless yourself. Okay? Number eight, forsaking generosity. Turning our heads to injustice or away from those less fortunate than we or those who are living in darkness or those who are being deceived. It is not always easy to bring the word to someone who's being deceived. But if we go in with a heart of loving kindness and mercy, the Holy Spirit will pave the way, okay? And the best thing we can do in that case is to bring someone out of deception is to give them the word in love, okay? Proverbs 28, 27. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The Lord's going to take care of you when you're doing his work. He will refresh you. Proverbs 24.11, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? This is why it's so important to be a word planter, a word sower. When you see someone who is deceived, they are being led away to the slaughter. And we must find ways, opportunity, allow the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and to give us, and he will. He'll be the word you speak. He'll be the action. Don't get ahead of him. Just because you see it doesn't mean you need to run into the fire. Some people do that and they get in a whole heap of trouble. We wait patiently on the Lord. You know, there might be people in your lives that for years you've wanted to see them saved or for years you've wanted to see them come out of that depression. It's not always your place. You have to discern. 
You have to wait patiently. And we say things like, Holy Spirit, if you want me to do something, show me the way. Give me the words. And then once he says that to you, you go in and you say, because the word says that he will make you the pen of a skillful writer. He will give you the pen of a skillful writer. It says that. Okay? But don't get out ahead of him. And just because you want to see it fixed, you go in in your own motivations or your own ways of doing it and try to fix it. You'll make a bigger mess of it. Am I making sense about that? But the Holy Spirit is, is faithful. He'll say, now's the time. You talk to that person. Or he'll say, you, it's not your time to talk to that person. And then you say, okay, Lord, just, I trust you to keep preparing that soil. And I trust you to speak to me if I'm to do anything and when I'm to do it. And then you rest in the peace of the Lord. And don't get condemned over yourself about, well, I'm not doing enough. Man, we could all go down that rabbit trail. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Luke eleven forty two, Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all kinds of gardeners, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter, the justice and the love, without leaving the former undone, the tithes. Number nine, taking revenge when you are wrong, wronged, or having a vengeful heart. Romans 12, 18 through 21. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, okay? It's not saying give in to sin, but it's saying do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, that's not your motivation, but that is God's result. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we, we refuse to walk in the ways of vengeance. So those are just some of the little foxes. And probably not, none of you needed to hear one of those today. Right? We're all good. <laughs> I wish I could say that. But I don't wish I could say that. Because the moment I say that, I've stopped learning. I've stopped, allowing the, I've stopped allowing the Holy Spirit in my life. So I don't want to say that. <laughs> so when we pay attention to the little foxes, when we walk intentionally heeding the Holy Spirit, I invite you in, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just, I just want to hear from you today. Holy Spirit, I just want to hear from you in this situation. When we heed his direction, when we heed his vibe, advice, and we invite his presence into our lives, we reap the blessings of God in whatever area that is. We reap the fullness of Christ in that area. Let me give you some scripture on this. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Y'all know we're living in evil days. But we don't have to worry. See, we don't have to be concerned about that. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand. Holy Spirit will always give you the understanding of your Father. Holy Spirit always testifies of Jesus. But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Do you know you are a song from the Spirit? Do you know that about yourself? You are a beautiful song. And we just need to let the song sing. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. Okay, listen to these words very carefully because people misread this. For you were once darkness. It doesn't even say you were in darkness. It says you actually were darkness prior to knowing Jesus. That's what you were. That's your, that was your existence. In Jesus, that existence is gone. You're transformed, and you need to see yourself the way the Lord sees you, because it goes on to say, but now you are light in the Lord. That's who you are. You need to walk around and say, I am light in the Lord. I am light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So let the light that you are expose them in your life, till up our ground, till up our own ground. Ephesians 5.14, this is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, wake up, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Not only does he shine on you, he shines in you, through you. Hallelujah. That is so hopeful. That is such a blessing. That is such a glorious place to be. So our job is to pay attention to the little foxes and purify ourselves in the walk. This is what we're talking today. Not position, we're talking about the walk. We all can refine the walk and walk out our holiness, allowing Holy Spirit to work in us. Remember Galatians 5.25, we're living in the Spirit, so we're going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to learn how to do this better every day. God sees you. God sees me now as his spotless bride. He doesn't change his opinion. He doesn't change his vision. He doesn't change his idea. He doesn't change your destiny. In Christ, you are the spotless bride. Because of not your works, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of what Jesus did. So you are now the new bread. You are now the new life. You are now the new light of the gospel. And in keeping with that, we walk in sincerity and truth. We walk uncontaminated by the yeast and the ways of the world and darkness. And the closer we walk to Jesus in purity, in sanctification, in holiness, the closer, listen, this is so triumphant. The closer we walk as the revealed church, the revealed ecclesia, 
the revealed, the revealed church. Doesn't it say that creation groans, wanting to see the sons of God revealed? Oh, beloved, you have this life, you have this light, you have this yeast in you that is the revealed church. And as we allow him to work and to mold and and just stay yielded to the Holy Spirit, you are what creation is groaning for. You are the sons and the daughters of God. making the word through the love of God manifest here on earth. They're groaning for the revelation, the miracle that you have in you to be allowed to burst forth. Wow. Uncontaminated by the yeast of the world. We just walk closer and closer. We have this deposit in us. Remember we talked about being sealed and the deposit and the guarantee last week. Okay, tie it all together. Put it together. Meld it. (laughs) You are the revealed church that he desires for you to be the pure and spotless bride, the way that God sees you, the goodness and the glory of God revealed on this earth to the lost and to the hurting. The world is waiting for you to reveal the treasure. And I know you all do that every day. And we're just trying to find ways to do it a little bit better. Because we want all of that other yuck to be gone so that everything we do just reveals God, reveals God, reveals Jesus. Hallelujah. We are, listen, we are the bride arising. Think of that. You are the bride arising. That's who you are. The bride arising sealed by the Holy Spirit to be the bride of Christ, adorned in his beauty and in his splendor, speaking truth in love, weighing with accurate scales of justice and mercy and peace. That's you. That's you. Walking in the might and the power and the glory of God. That's you. That's you. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, and I know this is for Israel, but by implication, God wants us, God has the same vision for us. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, and then verse 5. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Oh, please get this, beloved. Please get this. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. You are the walking glory, the revealed church, the revealed light. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. 
to you the riches of the nations will come. This is how the Lord sees you. This is your destiny. This is who you are. This is what you are accomplishing. The arisen bride. Wow. Beloved, you are his glorious temple. You are his beautiful bride. You have been adorned by him. No holes barred. He's not holding anything back from you. You are his bride arising. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord had me share with you today. (laughs) So (laughs) I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we get a hold of this. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you do such a work in our hearts that we see ourselves the way you see us. In Jesus' mighty name. We're going to take communion and then we're going to receive tithes, offerings, and first fruits today.